1: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Pirrett. Uh I have Lynn and Linda with me today. How's it going? Going um, well, John. Um, and those who listened, I cannot remember which episode it was, but I kept calling Linda Lynn. And so, <laughs> right. So in this episode, um, I guess it doesn't really matter. I could just... You know, well. <laughs> I'll just say a name and one of you will talk. Um, so maybe, maybe that'll help me out a, a little bit. Uh, but Lynn and Linda are both with me. Um, and I cannot remember if I said this is episode 351. Uh, we have Joe Deegan, who's going to be joining us later, uh, talking about RYM's new album. Um, Lynn and Linda will be joining me for the technically speaking portion of the podcast. And we will, I guess, be talking about an article over the next uh, three weeks. Um, I do also want to say that we, we've we got a sponsor uh, for this podcast, which is exciting, and that is uh, For Life Apparel, and that's forlifeapparel.com. Um, you'll be hearing more information about that later in the episode, uh, but we're excited to have them sponsoring us. Uh, we also have Kyle Hoffsmith from Old North Church in Ohio. Uh, okay. Linda, do you know where in Ohio? I, I forgot.
0: Um, I feel like it's Can or something. He says it every episode. I'm with him. I, um, I think yeah.
1: Like I that. think it's Canfield. I couldn't remember if it was Cranefield or Canfield, something along those lines. So, um, so Kyle is on the podcast, The Word in Youth Ministry uh, with Linda, and that's a CPYU podcast. But he has uh, called in, and we put called in in quotations there uh, because he recorded this and sent it to us. But uh, he's going to be talking about an essential of a youth room today. Um, and then also with, with Joe Deegan being on the podcast today, talking about the new album, uh, we'll have some samples of, uh, the, some of the songs from the new album. Uh, so that will be most likely if we get all this together, uh, playing at some of the transitions in between our conversations. Uh, so for now, here's Kyle Hofsmith, and then we'll get into our technically speaking portion of the podcast.
2: My name is Kyle, and I'm the pastor of student ministry at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio. And when I think about essentials to a youth room, I recently had a student tell me that if I don't soon fix our nine square in the air, that less kids are going to come to our student ministry, which is kind of funny to think about the student was joking, at least I hope so. But things that are essential in our student ministry here at our church at Old North Church would be redundant to some other things that might have been said. But I want to think about things that we need in our youth group that don't add to the many distractions that students already have to the good news of Jesus Christ. So three things that I would say are essential to a youth room. First, I would obviously say Bibles, but I would say like pew Bibles. Like I here we use the English standard version uh, as our translation, and I have just some hardback pew Bibles that I have in the youth room, which serves two purposes. If a kid doesn't have a Bible, they can use it, and if that kid doesn't have a Bible at home, they can take it with them, and they can leave the youth room with a Bible. Two, this is not flashy or fun, but depending on the size of the room and the number of students in the room, I think it's essential to have some type of sound system so that when we're teaching the Bible, others, the students can hear our teaching in a non-distracting way. This doesn't mean we need to um, put our full volume out so anyone and the adults down the hallway can hear us too or they can hear music playing. But just so that as the Bible is being taught, um, people can comfortably hear the Bible being taught, um, both students and leaders. And the third essential for a youth room is I just think um, printed, um, like, hello, I'm new cards. Uh, Recently, we've started to kind of um, explore having QR codes. So when kids come, they can just use a QR code and give us their information. But not every student has a smartphone. And even it's sometimes nice just to be able to hand a card to a kid and have them fill out their information so we can follow up with them in the future. So nothing too flashy here. But again, as we think about essentials for a youth room, I'd want uh, to have things in our youth room that um, cut down on distractions so that every student and every leader and even at times when parents are. Around, they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ.
1: For will Well, that was Kyle Smith uh, sharing his essential of a youth room. Uh, I want to thank Kyle again for taking the time to to share that with us, and um, it's been encouraging for me to to be able to hear uh, different people talk about essentials of a youth room and uh, just the thought that can go behind that. So hopefully those who are listening uh, have been a little more thoughtful about the way that uh, you utilize your room and the gift that it is. Um, we hope that that's uh, yeah, just helping spark some some good thought there. I still have Lynn and Linda with me, uh, and we are going to be talking about an article um, that was featured in The Atlantic, and I'm looking on the page, I think it was in November, yeah, November um, this past year, and uh, the title of the article is The Dangerous Experiment on Teen Girls. Uh, It's written by Jonathan Haidt. Um, Those who've listened to this podcast know he's been mentioned several times. He wrote the book. Um, the Coddling of the American Mind, and I always forget, I think it's with Greg Lukianoff, um, but that's an excellent book everybody needs to pick up. Um, he was also, if anybody watched the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, he was uh, in that documentary uh, for just a brief amount of time. But he's done a lot of research, and um, he's done some research, I think, with Gene Twangy, who did the iGen book as well. Uh, but we're going to be discussing the, this article um, the the tagline of the article reads, uh, the preponderance of the evidence suggests that social media is causing real damage to adolescents. Um, so, so Lynn and Linda, I know you've had a chance to, to read the article and, you know, we he specifically Zooms on Instagram. That, that's the main, you know, social media platform that's being addressed here. Um, how about just maybe some some personal thoughts before we jump into to the bulk of the article? Um, Lynn, Linda, whoever wants to go first, do you have Instagram? Do you use Instagram? What are just some initial thoughts about Instagram? Who wants to jump in? Yeah, I
3: can go first. Um, I have an Instagram and I use it less frequently than I have in the past, but that's more about, um, just a busy season than it is about any strong convictions that I have. And we've talked on previous podcasts about, um, part of the reason I do use it is because it gives me such a good, um, view of what the students are doing, specifically my girls, what my girls are doing, right? Like in their, their posts and their videos, it just shows me, um, maybe a little bit about their life that they wouldn't necessarily tell me is going on or that it, it, that they would tell me whatever that is and then um, I use it to also um, show some things that are going on in my life or things that I'm struggling with and then also to hopefully um, give them an example of how to use social media in a positive way in your life and the consistency of character like what I say at youth group and how I act at youth group is consistent throughout the week and so um, Instagram can be a really great tool. I have also put limits like on my phone of like it, it the app sleeps after a certain mm. amount of time being on it because it is so easy to get lost in it. And yeah. um, it lost in the distraction, also the comparison and um, yeah, it's so easy to scroll mindlessly. And so I have put limitations on it as I've see, seen that to be necessary in my life, but um, I don't think Instagram is the evil in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And like you said, it's just it's a good way to kind of keep up with students. Um, Linda, what are are some thoughts uh, on it? Do you have it? Uh, How do you use it if you do have it?
0: Yeah, so I do have an Instagram. Um, I'm one of those people who I don't know if I've ever posted a story. And I might make an actual post about once a year. In fact, I think it was almost exactly a year ago was my last post, which basically said, hey, I'm moving to Florida because I felt <laughs> like people in my life should know that. Sure. Um, But, you know, I do get on Instagram and just see what's going on um, pretty frequently. In fact, Lynn was talking about the um, limits and stuff. I, I do those, but then I often i'm telling it to give me 15 minutes more <laughs> like let's be real like all the time and there's a specific time at night that it's supposed to just totally like not let me do it but then i'm like no like 15 more minutes that's good um so yeah i mean i i see um uh, what some students are posting some students are only connected to our student ministry instagram and then some are connected to me uh, personally but honestly, since I have moved here, um, we just have a, a shorter or a smaller population of students in our ministry right now seasonally. Um, and I've found less students who are really active currently on social media. Um, like I would say the the girls that are most active in our ministry, a number of them don't have social media, and a number of them are the kind that might post once a month. Now they are posting stories outside of that more frequently, which I know that I often miss because I'm not checking the stories often enough. Um, but yeah, it just feels like the students who are involved here, um, because it's not currently kind of like the cool place to come are the students who maybe might come from a home that has thought a little bit more through um, how social media maybe should and shouldn't be used. Um, and so they're a little bit less likely to be as active as, say, the the average teenage girl. Hmm.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting to Jumping it back to when you said um, the when the alert comes up and says, oh, yeah, OK, 15 more minutes. It would be interesting to talk to everyone who kind of has those set up and how frequently um, do you kind of ask for 15 more minutes? And does that equate to one more hour two more hours typically (laughs) you know it would be
0: interesting if because you know they give you like here's how much you've been on an app it would be interesting if they gave you the statistics of how many times did you push that 15 Mm -hmm. more or one more minute i feel like that'd be pretty convicting for a lot of people
1: (laughs) yeah probably so and and i guess just yeah full disclosure for me i i currently do not have an instagram um and yeah i'm with yeah I, I did not post a lot on it as well and um, I'm trying to think how long it's been since I've had one um, but you know a year or two maybe a little bit longer where I've not not been on it um, you still can search a little bit on Instagram so you can yeah you know Google something find you know be able to to look at Instagram but you cannot you know dig too deep without you know having an Instagram account um, there's
3: a name so, for that you know
1: <laughs> yeah what's that name again? A lurker. <laughs> really that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm just admitting more and more. I'm a dad. You know that. That's that's all it is, right? Um, so look. Uh, maybe kind of um on a scale. Okay, one to ten. Okay, so one being hey, just giving teens unfettered access to Instagram, and ten being okay, Instagram's the devil. Kind of where do, where do you fall? Where do you guys fall on the scale of kind of one to ten? um hey your thoughts on on instagram linda do you want to go first this time since Lynn went first last time
0: trying to think like where what the in between stages in that scale would be
1: um (laughs) we can break it down in more detail later yeah i
0: I would definitely not give them unfettered access like i even think about when i was in you know fourth through seventh grade or somewhere in there which was a while ago because i'm in my 30s to be clear um but like social media didn't exist back then, but the internet did and AOL did and all, you know, and the stuff that I came across on the internet back then, some of it I was not ready for. And so I I imagine what it's like for students today when there's so much more that's easily accessible. And in fact, is seeking them out quite intensely Mm -hmm. to give them unfettered access, um, I think would be very, very unwise um, of the adults in their life that are letting them do that. Mm do I think that it's you know the devil one we should avoid at all costs? Um, well, no, because I think technology can be used for good things. I think we need to train them um, to use it wisely, and, and to you know maybe for some of them that decision is well I'm not going to use it, but lead them through that decision of how does technology and social media fit into my life. Um, And how do I want to use it and not use it rather than just using it uncritically and kind of letting it shape you, um, you know, thinking more intentionally through that. So I don't know what, I don't know what number that ends up, but it's, it's neither one nor 10.
1: (laughs) Maybe five. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. perfect. Oh, I eliminated.
3: Oh, sorry, John. I eliminated five in my mind as an option. I was like, you can't fall in the middle, Uh Lynn. But I think I'm, well, I'm definitely on board with all of the things that Linda said. I really specifically like that phrase that you used, um, using it uncritically, right? Like that, like, oh, I'm not even, like, it's just a mindless. Um, uh, So I would probably rank myself between a six and a seven. Um, And that's, yeah, is because much like the article says I can't remember if it was this article or another article I read but like I'm not surprised by the research findings because we interact with students on a regular basis I'm surprised it took so long for them to catch up to what we see in our students Um, and uh, the yeah like unfettered access to anything I think is like a bad Mm -hmm. idea Um, but it can be used well so I'm, I'm more of a a six or a seven and it's mm-hmm. the like educating students on how to navigate something that could um that affects you in any way and also has like addiction potential mm-hmm.
1: so. yeah no and so so i'm curious um and this is more trying to get you to, to reflect a little bit on your specific students or just students that you've spoken to or other youth workers you've spoken to kind of them sharing about their students where do you think they would fall on that scale? Do you think that, okay, yeah, most parents would say, oh yeah, not unfettered access, but in reality, are they kind of giving them unfettered access? What, what, are, y'all's, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Lynn, you can go first this time if you want to. <laughs>
3: um, are, so are you asking about like if they were gonna put themselves on a scale, where do they? Where do they I, I think
1: more of your your judgment. Of, of them? Would you assume, okay, they're on it a lot more than they realize, kind of unfettered?
3: This is a good question, John. Um, and as, my, like, as I'm thinking about it, because when I was thinking, I was like, oh, I think my middle schoolers would want their parents to be closer to the one. And uh, now functionally, their parents are closer to the 10 with the middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. And uh, with my high schoolers, uh, they would want their parents, they would want their parents, I think, or they would say they operate closer to a one, but a lot of my girls have been learning, like we actually need like help setting boundaries here. Mm-hmm. And so they wouldn't say that like, oh, I want my parents to be super strict about it, but they're also like, yeah, it's good that my parents like kind of talk to me about this or like maybe put away my phone or something like that. So they desire to be closer to a 10. So it's an interesting um, dynamic of what they want and what they actually need functionally and yeah. Um, so that's, that's what I think is my older students would want help with boundaries, but they get the closer to the unfettered access and then uh, vice versa for the middle schoolers, the younger students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Linda.
0: Yeah. I think that um, the the students who are active on social media, I would bet, just like a lot of us, they are probably not quite aware of just how much they're using it. Um, and perhaps their parents aren't quite aware of that anyway unless they're a parent that like actively um monitors Mm -hmm. their usage and stuff um i don't know for sure if the parents here are you know looking at those time um -hmm. reports and stuff of how much it's been used um but i i have had conversations um kind of recently with a, a student who said um, you know, she, she's in eighth grade, she doesn't have social media, um, which surprised me a little bit. Um, but she said that, uh, you know, she, she comes from a home where, uh, her parents tend to have a little bit more rules than some of the people that she spends a lot of time with. And one of those is social media. And, and there are times when she doesn't like that, but then she also really understands why. Um, you know, and so I think it's that tension of they, they want more access to it, but they also see, because the parent has done a good job of explaining it to them, see why that may not be the best thing. Um, they'll also have probably at least one to two students who, um, uh, would feel the opposite and don't like the fact that their parent tries to, um, limit their access at all. And try to find ways to kind of go around that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And and Lynn, kind of jumping back to what you were saying too, I think you said like the older girls kind of recognize that they need some boundaries, maybe more than the the middle schoolers. And, And I can remember, and, you know, I always struggle with talking about my own family on, on this, you know, podcast, but, but having a daughter who will be 15 this, this June last summer when she was at RYM, um, you know, RYM has summer interns. And it was so interesting for me to see college females interacting with my daughter and them telling her that it's so good. You don't have Instagram and, um, you know, it makes you miserable and you need to be cautious. I mean, they were just being very candid with her of, we understand why you want it. And, you know, we want it at times, but we also hate it at times. And anyway, I just thought that was very interesting that you have these, you know, 18 19 20 21 year old girl is kind of reflecting on that to, to my daughter and it was you know helpful for her to, to hear that from someone other than than parents. Um, and uh, because again just gonna highlight one thing uh, from the article it says social media gets blamed for many of Americans ills. I'm sorry, America's ills, including the polarization of our politics and the erosion of truth itself. but proving that harms have occurred to all of society is hard. Far easier to show is the damage to a specific class of people, adolescent girls. Um, and so, you know, he highlights some of the, the issues that we've talked about multiple times of depression and anxiety and self-injury surging around the time of, of social media. Um and, and what I want us to do, because I know we're, we're going to need to break here, is, is get into not only some of the specifics of the article, but over the next few weeks is, you know, what should we do as, as churches and specifically youth groups and uh, hopefully give some some helpful guidance there? Um, not that, as we would all say, none of us are experts on this. <laughs> you know, we're in the middle of all of this with students just, um, you know, trying to, to think more about it and I can't remember which one of you said it, um, think more critically about it. I think that's my, that my main issue, um, is, is how we just don't have much discernment. Um, oftentimes when we're you know picking up these devices. Um, so, um, Looking forward to talking more uh, with you both over the next couple of weeks uh, about this article. Uh, For now, we have Joe Deegan uh, joining us talking about uh, the new RYM Worship album. Uh, Chris Highland will also uh, be a part of that. And I'm not sure which song we'll be playing in between this segment and the next, but we've got a sample from the new RYM Worship song. Here it is. This episode of The Local Youth Worker is brought to you by For Life Apparel. For Life Apparel is a new clothing brand whose mission is to provide high-quality clothing and accessories that spread the message of the worth and dignity of the unborn. They donate 25% of all profits to providing free ultrasounds for moms considering abortion. Use the code REFORMED15 for 15% off today. That's Reformed 15 for 15% off today. They have clothing for men, clothing for women, bags, all sorts of accessories. Be sure to visit ForLifeApparel.com for more information. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I I think it's been a while since I I was on with you guys. Right, right as I was introducing you, and I do this every time, uh, I'm like, wait, when was the last time he was on? And I try to point people back to that. But but you've been on, you know, Parenting Today. Um, you know, those who know Parenting Today, RIP, yeah. Parenting Today, yeah. maybe Old one state. day it'll come back. <laughs> but you, you've been on that one several times. Um, you've been on the local youth worker. Uh, we've had the whole staff home. But it is, it's always fun to get one of the staff members on here. Um, I know. We, We need to get the whole, the whole crew, especially when uh, Brent comes on staff as well.
4: Didn't we do a whole staff podcast like during the pandemic at some point? That sounds right. I think we did. That sounds familiar.
1: Yeah. I know we had everybody on there and it was shortly after Margaret came on staff. Yeah. Um, But I cannot remember if it was pandemic or not, but that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, Brent on this podcast, um, he was on episode 348. If people want to go back and listen to that, that's RYM's new executive director. Um, but Joe, why don't you just tell everybody as well, those who don't know who you are, uh, just your title with RYM and a little bit about what you do.
4: Yeah. Uh, so my name is Joe Deegan. I have been on staff with RYM. I'm, I'm in my fifth year right now, actually on staff and I am the worship resource coordinator so I am in charge of leading the band and the music and the worship at all of the conferences uh, but during the year I'm writing and recording and making albums and also just resources for churches like chord charts and um, anything of that nature curriculum that would have to be you know around the music and uh, yeah so that's what I've been filling my time with past five years or I'm in my fifth year now. It's been great.
1: Yeah. And as you're saying that in my mind, you mentioned the conferences and I'm already thinking about just this summer, but the the previous summers, I'm always amazed that your voice makes it through a summer because just letting those who don't know, I mean, we have six summer conferences. Oftentimes Joe is leading worship in the morning. He's leading worship in the evenings. Uh, He's also teaching like a two hour block in the mornings and then he's just having conversation with people. Um, so just like give us just that thought of like, how you try to guard your voice in the summer and even, you know, don't, don't you drink like a special
4: golem? I, juice do. I do. I heard, um, first off, it's the teaching that gets me more than the singing, believe it mm-hmm. or not, just talking, uh, destroys my voice way worse than singing. I don't know why. Maybe that's a normal thing, but yeah, I was watching, um, the behind the scenes footage of Lord of the Rings years ago and uh, Andy circus who plays Gollum uh, realized very early on that his voice was not going to make it through if, if he kept doing the Gollum voice and he had an assistant come up to him one day and just bring him hot water with honey, lemon juice and ginger. And it became the thing that just saved his voice. And so uh, he had his assistant bring him to it every, bring it to him every day. And he called it Gollum juice. And so that, uh, I, I, I don't like tea. I can't drink tea, but I, I go with Gollum juice when I need to save my voice.
1: There you go. And just to let people know, he does put whiskey in it as well. So when, <laughs> when he's up on stage, no, I'm so, kidding everyone who's listening. I'm so loose. As do all of the youth <laughs> pastors
5: not. that are at our YM camp throughout
1: the week. <laughs> yeah, and, and I meant to say too, I need to um, introduce Chris is with us. And again, I've said this before, but we have with all of these new segments on this podcast now, sometimes uh, I don't know who we've already introduced and if Chris is actually in one of, one of the earlier segments or not, but Chris Holland is is back with us again out in Tucson, Arizona. Um, Chris, you doing all right today?
5: Man, I'm doing great. This has been a really good day. It's like 45 degrees outside and <laughs> it's just beautiful. out here. Thanks for nice. having
1: me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it'd be cool. I mean, just people getting to hear some of that behind the scenes, Joe, Of, um, uh, because I I am I'm just thinking about how you have to guard your voice. And that's that's everything. It's, you know, I kind of shudder to think about like, man, what if your voice did go out (laughs) one summer? Um,
4: I mean, so I've I've been editing these videos we've been putting out this spring, uh, which I can get to that in a little bit. But uh, videos that we recorded last year at the, the last week in Florida. And I can tell I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit because it was like the last night was when we recorded it and um, may need to pick another time to record live (laughs) worship if we're going to do it in the future, other than the last night of the last week in Florida. Yeah.
1: Well, Joe, let's jump in. Um, I mean, again, it's always just good to have a coworker on and get to catch up and um, but specifically having you on to talk about um, our way and worships third album. Mm -hmm. Um. So maybe just quickly remind our listeners what are the other two albums, but then give us the the title of this, this new album and release date, and we'll, we'll dive in a little bit more.
4: Uh, so the first album we did uh, was released back in December of 2018 called uh, Promised Land, and it had six original songs on it, six uh, cover songs, hymns, and worship ones. And then we had similar format with a new album back in 2020 called sing over us and this year so still working title right now um we're (laughs) i need to just go ahead and land on it but i think the title is going to be a new creation i think that's that's the one i'm leaning towards right now and if that ends up not being the title then uh, you just got some really cool inside information into uh, my whole thought process behind figuring this out because uh uh, for some reason, I have decided to change my mind uh, between now and the release of the album. But uh, this album is um, kind of similar. There's there's going to be nine songs on it, and five of them are songs that I wrote. Four are hymns that we're covering. And I am really excited to share this with you because the f- the second album that we did, all the work was done and finished before the pandemic even started and we released it April of 2020. And so a lot of what's coming out of this album has come through uh, a lot of the writing and even just the arrangements of these hymns that has come through, uh, the chaotic season of the pandemic. And so I'm just excited to share this music with everybody.
1: Yeah. And Joe remind me, I know, We did the, you know, live, but not in person. Yeah. Um, And when I say we, like I had anything to do with it. Singing back up. Yeah. Um, So, and you've got some live songs as well. So Uh I know not really another album out out there, but you've got content that's out there too.
4: Yeah. So there's that live one we did for the virtual conference in summer of 2020. And those are just songs we had done before. There weren't any new ones there. And then I did a Christmas one that year as well, 2020, just a little EP with five songs that recorded live. So yeah, there's, there's some live stuff um, on the Spotify page if you're going to check it out.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I know we need to just let our listeners know too, is we're, we're talking about just kind of all the resources
4: that you're putting
1: together. Um, you know, there are chord charts out there. I know you mentioned that a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. So if people you know, go to our website and just check out the RYM worship link, you'll see chord charts that are out there. If anyone's wanting to play this in in church as well as lyric videos that are out there Mm -hmm. on YouTube. And so there's a, um, if you go to RYM's YouTube channel, uh, you'll see some of that. Um, Chris, I want you to, to jump in here, but before that, uh, I just thought, you know, as you're releasing a new album, and I don't know exactly how to phrase this question, but just kind of, you know, what is your hope for this mm. next album? You know, it's like you're putting in all of this work. You're, you're putting yeah. in all this time, all this thought, and it. okay, it releases, now what? You know, it's like, what? what's yeah. your desire, you know, for this album as it goes out there?
4: That's a good question. I, I've thought about that a lot since I first came on. You know, when I, when I first started doing this, I, I would just say, I, I just want to make music. That's that's kind of it. And, and it is in a lot of ways. And I think that's a, a good thing to just make music with the hopes that people would enjoy it and be blessed by it. Uh, if I were to get more specific with that desire, I would say that one of my biggest goals with in Worship is that these would be songs that people could sing in church. Uh, I, I would love for people to put their headphones in and listen to it on Spotify and enjoy it that way. Um, I think more than anything, my, my biggest desire is that these would be songs that could land in congregations somewhere, anywhere across the world, and that people would um, be blessed by them enough to actually sing them together uh, on Sunday morning worship.
1: Yeah, that's good. I know we say all the time, you know, RYM's heartbeat is to serve the local church. Yeah. And so it's, Great to hear that that's just you know the desire of your heart. And um, yeah, I mean, I can speak individually as well of just being blessed by your music. And I think I said that to you before, it's like I did not give much thought this until after the fact when you came on staff, but I, I was thinking like, wow, I'm I'm really glad I like Joe's music because it would be really hard <laughs> to to work alongside Joe and just think, man, this is terrible, or or, or hey, it's for those people, but I'm just not you yeah. know resonating with it, so I'm glad I can. Every say, day you're living a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah Joe, that's great. Um, but but I've I've been yeah minister to. I can say that that's not an exaggeration uh, by the lyrics you put together, the music you put together. And um, I know it's it's encouraging to hear other churches that are using your music. And, um, yeah, just starting to get excited, even as I'm thinking of this, of having another summer conference around the oh. corner uh, where we get to all <laughs> gather together and sing. Uh, Chris, I've been talking too much. I'd love for you to, to jump in on this. Yeah, I mean, I just travel
4: it, uh, We've known each other, I don't know, 15? Fi- t- I know. It's our, our our past is a little unique uh, <laughs> that we've like ended up crossing paths again in RYM. Except this time, <laughs> you're the musician.
5: And yes, the, so the, the turd I,
4: kid. I guess for for <laughs> listeners out there, so Chris and I both went to college, University of North Alabama, and <laughs> I, I I didn't want to say. Do you want me to? Say? <laughs> I didn't know how much you wanted me to. So the the joke was, I didn't discover two years later that he wasn't actually in school there. He was just kind of like hanging out. Um,
5: Living the college minus the college, basically. Yeah.
4: (laughs) So I showed up at Campus Outreach at UNA and Chris was leading worship there. And I got to know Chris um, because he was an incredible guitarist. And I was getting into guitar. I was like, man, this guy's awesome. I want to get to know him. And uh, Chris was awesome and is awesome. And I've known him for a while. And I'm glad to be doing this podcast with
5: you now. Twenty bucks is in the mail, Joe. So, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> but the thing that I've just noticed in watching your career and being able to be a benefactor of your leadership in music at RYM camps and just uh, referring your albums and stuff on iTunes or Spotify to to people through the years is, um, I just keep coming back to just like, hey, I actually I actually know this guy and he's actually being really vulnerable and really honest. Hmm. And, and sort of in the same way back in the, when I became a Christian early, two, early 2000s, um, Rich Mullins really, he just rang a bell mm. for me because it was just so transparent and honest. You know, mm. like, hold me Jesus, like, just broke my heart. I mean, it really connected with me. Uh, Andy Gullihorn's very much the same nowadays, too, and you're very much in that category that it's mm. like— He's not just writing songs to sell records and to make money and to have popularity fame. Like he's really writing from his heart out of his quiet time and out of his experience. Like it's just, it's a big deal and it's something that's really lacking in Christian music in particular today. And so I just, I really appreciate the work that you do and how it impacts me when I'm listening to your songs with my kids and riding down yeah. the road. And uh, I'm, I know that I'm not alone and there's lots of people that feel that way about your music. I'm really excited because of the uh and I've held off on listening to the one that's on uh iTunes Gentle and lowly because mm-hmm. I just love that book. it was so important to me, yeah, you know, and just that i the idea of gentle Christ being gentle and lowly and connecting in the person of Christ, I'm really excited about this next album, dude I'm a uber fan wow uber <laughs> thank fan. you so much. I really appreciate that so when you when you go into writing an album like What's, what's your process usually look like? Is it you write the music
4: first, then you write the lyrics? Or is it, how do you do that? Uh, uh, yeah, good question. I have trouble separating the two. Um, I know a lot of songwriters will do lyrics first in the music or the other way around. Yeah. I, I kind of approach it with, um, I'm usually approaching it from a lyric standpoint. And that those are the thing I'm thinking about the words first but I I have trouble getting into writing lyrics without having a melody in my mind wrapped around it. And a lot of that Mm -hmm. is just because I want to think about the the cadence of how I'm actually going to sing these words and how it's going to fit together before I actually just start writing down line by line. Otherwise I could, I I may not be able to find a melody that actually matches it once I've written it and it'll feel like a waste of time. So I, they all, I just kind of have to write them together. Typically, do y'all watch? Did y'all watch the
5: uh, the Beatles thing on Disney Plus? No,
4: no, I haven't, but I want to.
1: I've heard a few people reference that.
5: Okay, I was just curious because they made good music so attainable and simple. Mm. And I was just curious if you like drew any inspiration
4: from maybe that series or
5: who do you draw I haven't inspiration seen it yet. from?
4: Like- <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of my inspiration would come from. I, I've I love Andrew Peterson's music, mm-hmm. and more so just the storytelling aspect of it. And and I think I've, I've heard people say before, they think my melodies are singable. And I think the reason for that is because I am not that great of a musician. And so I'm only going to write melodies that are simple. And (laughs) I think that ends up being a good thing in a lot of ways. Like I I don't really know how to write anything more complex than that. Um, And so I think, that's why I I probably end up focusing more just on the lyrics and the storytelling aspect of it. And then I end up just kind of hoping that the melodies are something that everybody can kind of sing and, um, um, and latch onto you. So if there was some, and you can't say Jesus
5: on this, but (laughs) if there was somebody that, you know, uh, that you would say is just indispensable to contributing to your, musical career and your writing mm. who would you say is that person that's like indispensable to you
4: i mean I, i'm a, i'm gonna repeat myself and say andrew peterson so when i was uh when i first moved to houston from alabama i was working at christ the king mm-hmm. uh, presbyterian and i was doing youth ministry there which is how i got connected with rym but in 2010 andrew peterson came through and did his behold the lamb Christmas concert at our church. And it was the first time I'd ever heard him. Mm. I'd never really, I think I'd heard one of his songs before, but I'd never seen him, didn't know what he looked like. And he got on stage Mm. and his whole thing was just storytelling. And then I realized how much the storytelling uh, just wrapped up into the songs as they would come. And I I just sat there entranced for like three hours. Mm. And I remember uh, leaving that night, just thinking, this is my guy. Like, this is the guy I've been looking for in music uh, for years, and I didn't even know he existed. And from that point on, like he has been such a huge influence just on the way I think about uh, music from a storytelling aspect. Oh, yeah.
1: That, that's awesome. And I'd love to to dig into this album uh, a little bit more. So you're saying a new creation potentially could be the title, may or may not? That's, that's what That's what I'm leaning towards. <laughs> I think it's good just to kind of get some behind the scenes of the fact that at this moment of recording, it's, it's, not, not, it's not finalized. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was asking you this pre-recording, uh, the set list of the songs that are on there or the playlist or the song ordering. Uh, we don't know the, the technical terms for it. I think uh, just song
4: order. Yeah.
1: Song order. So, so tell us, I'd love for you to just walk through, tell us, okay, here are the songs that are going to yeah. be on there. And um, also kind of a follow-up is how do you determine? Okay, which order a song's gonna go in, and and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Great question. So actually, my producer Quinn, who I'll talk about him a little bit more, um, but he actually just texted me um, not too long ago, a few days ago, and said, "Hey, what's the song order?" And I was like, "Oh, I haven't thought about it." And so, I, I think in in a lot of ways, I want to I want to think about like what's an interesting way to kind of lay these songs out to tell a story. But there also needs to be some ebb and flow to that story, meaning let's have a big upbeat song here, then let's maybe pull it down. And I don't want to put like all my upbeat songs up front and all the slow ones at the back. Like I want to have some ebb and flow to it. And that's kind of the extent of it. And it's it's a lot of just, does this feel right? <laughs> it's a little bit abstract. Hmm.
5: Hey, so if, if uh, let's say Andrew Peterson knocks on your door right now and he walks in, he says, hey, I heard you got a new album coming out. out. Just <laughs> <Would> you,
4: <clears throat> and uh, what song would you let him hear first? Uh, I'd let him hear the first one on the album, actually, um, which is actually going to be our theme song for this summer. It's called All Things New Again. Oh, awesome. Which is kind of why I'm, I'm I'm leaning towards the title, A New Creation, because it's it's wrapped up in our theme that we're having for our OAM Summer Conferences, All Things New, New Heavens, New Earth, New Creation. So there's a lot of that wrapped up in this album so what like what's the big
5: inspiration for that song where did that come song come from
4: so that one was really really the the inspiration was pretty simple in that i knew i wanted to write a theme song for summer conferences we already knew our theme was all things new and i thought well this is going to be fun because i love talking about new heavens new earth i love singing about anything new creation. There actually aren't a ton of songs out there Hmm. about new creation. There's some, but I thought, well, this would be fun to write. And so it really just came from me trying to write a song in that vein. Uh, And then uh, something came out of it, I think was really special. And I don't know if it was just from from being so wrapped up in uh, creation that was really hard and difficult for the past couple of years and wanting to really think through what new creation looks like and what it would look like for God to make all things new. So I actually um, leaned into Isaiah 65, the new heavens and new earth passage. And at the very beginning, it says, for behold, he will create a new heavens and new earth uh, and the former things will not be remembered. and And he just kind of walks through what a lot of that's going to look like. And so I just wanted to put some of those ideas and thoughts in my own words and, and, um, make something come out of it. And it, it did honestly, they, they say that for a songwriter, your songs are supposed to be kind of like your babies. You're not supposed to have favorites, but <laughs> this might be my favorite that I've written, uh, just kind of from the place it came out of and, and the way it turned out. And for what Quinn did with it, arrangement wise, Um, from the production standpoint, I'm, I'm really excited to share this one. Man,
1: that's great. And so walk us through some of those others as well. Give us the, um, the, yeah, the whole list.
4: So the second one on the list in the album order is Gentle and Lowly, which we've already released as a single actually back in, I think it was in February we released it. And that was one that I wrote, uh, last spring, And ended up playing it at uh, one of the conferences last summer and got a good response from it. Um, Worked through it some in the fall with Quinn, and he had some really great ideas for the arrangement. We also ended up getting uh, a friend of mine named Rachel Stevener to come sing. And so it's one of the few songs on the album where we're actually kind of swapping melodies. And she sings the second verse and chorus, and uh, it was really fun getting to do that with her. Like what kind of kid do you feel like? Because these are pretty serious,
5: intimate, yeah, songs. Like what kind of kid, youth kid, would you hope is going to pick up that album, turn it on their phone while they're driving in the car by themselves? You know, what kind of kid do you feel like would be good for us as youth leaders to? Hey, check out this album. Let's listen mm. to a couple of these songs and then let's talk about them.
4: Uh, first off, um. You you and I've talked about this some before, Chris, just that this idea that we have to dumb things down for youth ministry, I think is is just a, a false notion. Damn. I heard someone say one time, if these high school kids are taking AP calculus, like they can they can handle some some scripture and some mm-hmm. theology yeah. Yeah. and some depth to what they're being taught and to what they're singing. And so I've really tried to take that approach of not trying to talk down to them when I write these songs. Um, not trying to pretend like they're little kids. Um, But at the same time, understand that they are in a very different phase of life than we are as adults. And there is, um, these are very formative years. And so I, I think for a song like that, I would, I would say anyone who is, one of the things we tend to do in high school is we tend to think that the bad things that happen to us are like, this is the way it's always going to be. And I would want to encourage anyone in high school who's going through that or middle school is to say that you're in the middle of your story. You're not in the end of your story yet. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at the truth that God will make all things new again is how we we actually get to see what God is doing with our stories.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I love, I mean, that, that's one aspect I love about your songwriting is the depth that's there. Um, and I've said to you before, it's just, Every song is just saturated with scripture, um, and, and I do think. I mean, yes, there's there's a balance as we're dealing with students, and like you said, thinking just from this um, specific aspect of their story, um, you know, we, we want to to make this accessible. At the same time, we do want to stretch them, and we want to give them hmm. all of God's word, and not not hold back and um, treat them like they cannot handle it or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I love the I love the depth of of your lyrics. Um, so Jed, there's some other things I want to ask you, but I guess maybe just real quick, go through, um, the new songs as well as, yeah, I know you've got some, some other hymns that are on there as well.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so those are two of the new songs that I've written. There's three more that I wrote. One is called Jesus walks. Uh, that's actually, uh, we just released that as a single, uh, by the time this episode airs. And, um, that was one that I wrote during, uh, um, pretty tough season of life. Spring of 21, I tore my Achilles. I was going through some just weird medical stuff, laid up in bed. My grandmother uh, actually passed away. I wasn't able to go to the funeral because I couldn't travel. The night she passed away, I ended up writing this song. And it's just kind of a um, a reminder that Jesus could have chosen any time in history to come down and be with us. And he chose a time when the main mode of transportation was three miles an hour, which is the average walking speed of humans that he chose to come down and walk with people. And at a time when I wasn't able to walk, that truth (laughs) was really sweet to me. And especially at a time that was really difficult. And I was going through some, some heartache and suffering to think about the fact that he, um, he walks through that with me too, um, was a really sweet thing for me to think about and to even write about and to, to see it come out in this song. Mm -hmm. Um, Another song that um, is on the album uh, was our theme song last summer. We believe Uh, just wanted a way to think through some of the foundations of um, the Christian faith and what we believe. It really is a way for my kids to, to have a song to lean into when in times when maybe they're questioning their faith or where they hear people outside the faith saying, well, this isn't true, this, or it's, it's not this way. It's that way to, just say, well, here's a song that I learned when I was a kid that actually kind of walks through basic tenets of the faith, but also a way to remember that it's not just creeds or basic tenets. There's actually a story that is formed when you talk through the, the beliefs of scripture. Um, hmm. And I think that's, been a really fun thing to see come out of that song. The last one that I wrote on this album is a song called This Table. It's a communion song. Uh, kind of strange because, um, I mean, we don't take communion at RYM. <laughs> but again, I'm hoping this would be a song that churches might find helpful and useful uh, in that setting. One of the things I heard Kevin Twitt say one time, who's um, RUF pastor at Belmont, leader of Indelible Grace. He said, we have a lot of songs that talk about sin as a noun. We don't have a lot of songs that use the word sin as a verb, as in I, I have sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I took that to heart and thought, you know, that's a lot of what it means to come to communion is this confession of I have sinned. Um, I heard your boss, Chris Johnstone, say this last year at RYM, that communion is a reminder uh, that we have lived in such a way this week that somebody needed to die for me. Uh, in order to come to this table, and um so those are a lot of the influences of that song, so yeah, those are the five that I wrote,
1: wow, yeah, I cannot wait to to hear those um. Yeah, you can obviously tell there's no depth behind uh, all this <laughs> you, you put together. No, every one of those just sounds incredibly rich. Um, mm-hmm. I cannot, yeah, wait to hear those. I feel so. like
5: I'm in a counseling session with you uh-huh. right now. <laughs> Which I mean, it's kind of a really, really relevant right now. Actually, I mean, mm-hmm. with all the stuff going on around the world, Joe, like mm-hmm. you're. And then you wrote a lot of these songs in the distant past, but, I mean, this is pretty yeah. – it's it's just strange how God is prepared, hmm. musically preparing his people yeah. for the future. It's
4: just really beautiful. Yeah, yeah.
1: So what, why don't you um, give us quickly the um, the musicians that, that are helping you on this album?
4: Yeah. So for starters, um, give a shout-out to my producer, Quinn Redman. So Quinn has been coming to RYM camps um, since I started running sound playing guitar playing bass with me he is just an incredible guy lives in Nashville and for me to to leave Houston and go travel to Nashville make numerous trips to go record this with him uh, shows what a high quality producer he is that that I was willing to like leave home and and make all these trips mm-hmm. but he's been absolutely worth it because he is such a creative but not only that like he knows rym like he's he's part of the family he comes to camps and he he gets what we're doing and he's been able to really take my ideas and funnel them musically into exactly what they need to be to fit our context and it's it's been so great working with him Um, I've got to
1: interject too because I couldn't tell if you're going to move on from from Quinn I just love the fact he's so unassuming and just seems yeah. behind the scenes in so many ways. But he's he's been on Saturday Night Live. Uh, he did a skit. So I've he always did. got to throw that out. That just amazes me. He and did. um, and he's got a a song um on a Netflix show, uh Beginning, Middle, and End. Is uh-huh. that right from uh yeah. and I think it's a trilogy of movies, but to All the Boys, um, uh-huh. Always and Forever. Um so people can check that out on on Spotify. Yeah. It's well. like
4: worldwide hit. He ended up writing that one. Um so he's he's done some really cool things. And I mean, part of that was just the people he knows uh, in Nashville and the friends he has to be able to get some of his, his buddies to come be a part of this album. We, we had some incredible musicians. So uh, our drummer for most of it was a guy named Brad Covington, who's played several uh, camps with us. Um, incredible drummer. Our bass player was Lucas Morton, who's also a producer in Nashville. He's produced several, um, pretty big um, records and singles and worked with some really great artists. And uh, so Lucas came and played bass. Lucas has also been to a few RYM camps as well. Our piano player was David Crutcher, who's also played uh, some RYM camps and is one of the best piano players that I know. He's incredible. Uh, And we had two guitarists. Um, These are the guys who worked with us in studio, two guitarists. One uh, is a guy named Jesse Isley, who's, Played a lot with Andrew Peterson and a lot of other um, local artists. Incredible guitar player. He did mostly acoustic stuff. And then the other guitarist was a guy named Nate Duggar. who's a lead guitarist for Drew and Ellie Holcomb. And he played electric, acoustic, did some slide. Um, he is, um, yeah, one of the best musicians I know. He has perfect pitch. That was pretty cool to see that come out in the studio. Um, uh, People people often
1: tell me that as well. um. (laughs)
4: Uh, But all these guys were just incredible. Like we got in the studio and we all worked through a lot of these songs together and like really played them as a band. And, and I'd never really taken that approach before, but it was so fun to just see them actually kind of work through the arrangement Mm -hmm. and play off of each other Mm -hmm. and, and just go off of Quinn's guidance and direction. Uh, That was that was a fun two days. We spent recording the music and, um, and then had some incredible singers as well. Uh, I already mentioned Rachel Stevener. We also have a song. I'm going to throw this out there. This is the one that Quinn is most excited about. So we did another version of on Jordan stormy banks, but it's mostly acapella and he got some friends of his uh, called the new respects. It's a band in Nashville. Um, and they came over and sang just incredible vocalists. They sang harmony, uh, throughout. And it's just this really cool stripped down kind of haunting version of Jordan stormy banks. And that's the last song on the album. And it might be the one I'm most excited about. I know it's the one Quinn is it's the one that Quinn is most excited about. And, um, he, he poured a lot into that one. And, uh, that one kind of ended up being his baby and it's, it sounds really good. Uh, yeah, so just incredible singers, musicians. I'm just really thankful to Quinn for putting the whole thing together.
5: Joe, like you totally forgot, like the person I'm most excited about on your album, One Player. I'm, I'm actually really surprised they had time to do this. And I'm really excited to hear exactly what they add to the album on the triangle Michael Hall.
4: Because um, if
5: you've never heard, I was Michael, trying to think.
4: There's a good chance there's someone I didn't name, but I was trying to think of who you were getting at.
5: If you have not heard Michael Hall on a triangle, uh, you have
4: robbed yourself can, of true the kill, essence man. of life. He he's, so, he's so humble about it too. And I'll also say this: there were a couple songs I want to throw these names out: uh, Daniel Campbell, Scooter Spicer, Jaron Wolwin, guys who play at all these camps with us. They ended up doing some instruments on a couple mm-hmm. of the other songs. Um, so I, I want to be sure and give a shout out to them because they are so much a part of our way in worship just for what we do live, uh, mm-hmm. at every conference.
1: Yeah. And just to reiterate, as you say, those names, it's like, man, they're family. You yeah, know? they it's really like are. They, mm-hmm. They've been at, at so many of the conferences and those who are listening to this, they, they might not recognize the names, but they've definitely seen them up on on stage, um, look. I know we're about to to wrap this up, but Joe, I'm curious too. So what's the most challenging part of this whole process? Uh, the most difficult aspect of this. I mean, there could be a, a few things. I mean, it's not easy. I mean, as you're describing all of this, I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, all of the mm. logistics, getting everybody together, all this kind of stuff. Um, I'm just kind of clueless behind the scenes. So, what would you say are some of the most difficult aspects?
4: it's probably the, the logistics, what you just said of like going in and having these great ideas of what if we get this person to play? And what if it sounded like that? Like the creative part is a joy. Like that's the part where you get in the studio and you start working on it. And it's fun. But then when you got to think through the logistics of, well, let's book this studio this day and let's see who we can get to come for this time slot or this person can't do it. So who's another person we can get? And you, you kind of build this thing That's, that's the hard part. That's the most challenging part. Finding days in my schedule where I can leave my family, you know, for two days and go to Nashville and work on this. And, um, but once you get in the studio and you start working on it and that's like the most fun thing in the world. Mm -hmm. I love doing Mm -hmm. that part. Yeah. No,
1: just, yeah. Trying to work with multiple schedules and get everybody there. Um, yeah, that's, that's gotta be a challenge. Well, um, our listeners, go ahead. Somebody, I was just
4: going to say like, so to, to what you just said, once we get in the studio, like even the challenging parts of the song are fun of thinking like, okay, we've kind of got this blank template. We're not really sure how to go about this arrangement. So start throwing out ideas, guys, and then we start working off each other, and it ends up being something kind of magical like that. So even the challenging parts in the studio are fun. So it's really j- just the logistics that are hard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That that sounds incredible. You you put a bunch of artists in a room, yeah. and then here's the problem. Let's all figure it out. Yeah, uh, that would be cool just to sit back and watch that happen. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um, well, look, our our listeners know that we typically end uh, the local youth worker with. Joe Deegan song. And this was before Joe Deegan uh, came on staff with RYM, uh, the wedding feast. People should go and check that song out. I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you hear it all the time, uh, but you need to like just hear that whole song. Um, But we're hopefully going to be able to close with um, a new song. Did we decide on gentle and lowly? Is that what you said? I think
4: think that works. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, So as we're closing this out, you'll get a little bit of a preview of gentle and lowly, which I think at the time of this recording, you can hear the single that's out there on Spotify and Mm -hmm. then, look out for the new album and Joe remind us April the end of April
4: yeah end of April is what we're shooting for yeah
1: all right well Joe it's been great to to catch up it's awesome to get to hear some of the behind the scenes Chris thanks for for playing a part of, mm-hmm. of, of this and uh, now you get to hear Gentle and Lowly by R.L.A.M. Worship
6: Take our dreams Make us Still enough for you don't wash our feet Make us Gentle truth while loving others who do not trust in you give us courage